Uh, can I ask that we pray together? Tomorrow is Freedom Day, and while it, it feels a little bit not like freedom at the moment, we do want to remember that God has been with our nation and remember what happened on 27 April 1994 and the miracle that we saw during that time. And it's great to have that reminder now again that God is faithful and God is good and God is doing good things in our nation. So I wonder if we can just start with prayer and just pray for our nation, pray for our president during this time and for our leaders. And uh, so join me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Thank you for South Africa. Thank you for this amazing country, Lord, that you have been working with over generations, Lord. As we celebrate Freedom Day tomorrow, we're reminded of 27 April 1994 and what you did and the miracle that we saw in our nation at that time. And that just stirs our faith again to trust you for the miracle that you are doing right now. We, we thank you for our president. We thank you for strengthening him, for guiding him. Thank you, Lord, that with all the tough things that he has to hold together, that you would give him the wisdom, the right people around him to help him navigate us through this time. Thank you for our government, and, and we pray, Lord, that their efforts would be respected by our people. We pray for our people, Lord, that, that we would be wise and do good and do right during this time. We pray that lawlessness will not come into this nation but that this will be a time where we will shine as South Africans as we have already done. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your goodness that you are busy with us. We pray for our economy. We trust you, Lord, that there would be an amazing miracle that happened in our economy, that there would be a transformation of our economy that will take place, that will cause greater justice, equity, and righteousness, Father, and so that the people of this nation can continue to experience the freedom that you have made possible. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's great to have you from both churches join with me as I share the word with you now. And I just want to say thank you to every one of you for the way that you have been with us, supported us, engaged with us. The engagement we've had via the social media platforms has been fantastic. Thank you for all the words of encouragement that we've received from you and just for your being in with us and for over the last while, just getting involved and helping people and, and supplying and people that have given and helped us in many different ways to make a difference. We are just really so thankful for that. And it's in line with that that I want to talk today as we continue with our, our theme for the year, which is Love Revolution, and it's so apt for this time. And uh, today I particularly want to talk with you, and the title of my message is Doing Because God is in Control. And Maybe a bit of an odd title for you, but let me explain to you what I mean as I, as I go through a portion of Scripture. I want to take you to Judges 6, uh, a very well-known Scripture, the story of Gideon. And uh, many of you, the little ones, the kids, and many of us from our children's church days will even remember uh, Gideon and the story of Gideon. And I want to pick up in uh, Judges 6, verse 11, and read with you and then share some thoughts with you. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. You see, what was going on in the time is, again, God's people had been unfaithful to him. They've turned away from worshiping him, and they started worshiping idols and the, and the idols of the Midianites and, and others' gods during that time. And this went on for a long period of time until God eventually said, 
I've got to do something about it now. And so God allowed the Midianites to be, uh, the scripture says God raised up the Midianites and the, the Midianites' strength grew and they started ransacking Israel. So in verse 1 to, to 10, you actually read the story of how they would come in every time the harvest was, was taken off the fields. The Midianites would come in and take all the food from the Israelites. It, it actually describes in the scripture like they were like locusts that would come in and destroy the land. They would take everything that the Israelites had. And so it was a great time of where, where food security was a problem. And in the midst of this, we, we get this little picture of one family, one unit of people and how they're dealing with it. And how they were dealing with this time and, and, the, and the insecurity about being able to get food and, and the struggles that they were going through is Gideon found a wine press. Now a wine press is a hollow. It's a, it's a place that is, that is sunken where you would put the grapes in and then you know they, they would tread the grapes to get the juice extracted. And he found a wine press, and, and instead of grapes, he would have put wheat in there. Now, normally when they winnow the wheat, they do it in a flat spot where the wind can blow through so that when they throw the wheat up in the air, the, the wind separates the chaff and the wheat from one another. But now he had to do it in a hollow. So there was no wind that could blow through, and he had to separate it by hand. So it took a lot longer, but, and, but he found a place where they wouldn't find him. So he was all about food security, by trying to... Make sure that his family had food, that the Midianites couldn't find them and take their food away from them. And so here he was, Gideon, in the winepress, hiding, busy separating the wheat and the chaff. And then we read in verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, I don't think Gideon was feeling like a mighty hero at the time. There he was, hiding away. All on his own, afraid of the Midianites, afraid that his family wouldn't have food. But the angel comes to him and says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I love Gideon's response. I love the interaction between Gideon and the angel here. Because Gideon goes in verse 13 and he says, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? He's, he's really saying to the angel, he says, listen, I hear you saying the Lord's with us, but I, I don't think the evidence supports that. If I look at it, sir, then, then I think the Lord has forgotten us. I've heard the stories about God and I've heard how he brought my ancestors out of Egypt and he cared for them and, and looked after them in the desert and then brought them to the promised land. But I think the Lord has forgotten us. He brought us here to Midian and to die. I really don't see this that you are saying. I, I'm sorry, but the evidence doesn't support what you're saying. I don't think the Lord is with us. He challenges what the angel is saying. And then... The angel responds to him. He doesn't really pay attention. He doesn't answer Gideon's question. He doesn't defend God. He just says the following. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites I am sending you. Go with the strength you have. Gideon wasn't feeling very strong at the time. He certainly didn't feel that he had the strength to go and rescue the Israelites from the Midianites. And he says such in, in Judges 6 verse 15 to 16. 
But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Can you see the two sides that are opening up here? On the one hand, we have Gideon that says, I'm not a mighty man. I'm not a hero. I think you've got the wrong address. Your GPS led you to the wrong place. I'm not the right person. I, I, not only is my family not the right family, I am the least in my family. I'm definitely not the person that has the strength to deliver Israel. I don't have what it takes. Lord, if, if you want to use me, the plan's going to fail. But God says, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So we see the uncertainty in Gideon and we see the certainty in God. God on the one hand says, I'm going to do it. Gideon says, not with me, you can't do it. This brings me to an interesting thought about the reality of our, our lives. That so often we deal with life and there are these two components that are difficult to bring together. On the one hand, we have the sovereignty of God. God makes up his mind. He's going to do something and he's going to do it. And on the other hand, we have the agency of man. We have men that have to do things. And as you think about it, these two become, like in this situation, very difficult to hold together. It's difficult to hold together that we have here a God that says, I'm going to deliver you from the Midianites. It's going to do it. That's the sovereignty of God. I've made up my mind. I've decided. God is not saying, I want to do it. I can possibly do it. If I can get the right people to help me, then I can deliver you from the Midianites. God's not saying, I should deliver you. He's saying, I am going to. It's going to happen. It's done. It's settled. God's going to deliver them from the Midianites. So that's the sovereignty of God. And then on the other hand, we have a man that says, not with me. I'm not going to do it. The agency of man. And you come to a place where you think, okay, well, what's more important here? Because does Gideon not have a free choice? Does he not choose? Is God going to do it with Gideon or without Gideon? Is God just going to keep on going until he finds somebody that, that's going to do it? It doesn't seem like that. God is saying, I'm going to do it. But Gideon, you, I'm going to do it with you. I need you to be the agent that I'm going to do it through. But Gideon says, I, I don't want to do it. Now, if you look at this story, you, you, it becomes a difficult thing to bring these two points together. And this is what some theologians call an antimony. An antimony is when you have two opposing truths that seem to have nothing to do with each other, but you have to bring them and hold them together. J.I. Packer writes about antimony in his classic work, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. And he says the following, an antimony is an apparent contradiction. Between two things we hold to be equally true, and he compares an antimony to the simultaneous wave and particle characteristics of light in physics. For those of you that know, in physics, light is described as both a wave and a particle. The challenge is that waves aren't particles and particles aren't waves. They're exclusive from one another. You either act like a wave or you act like a particle. But yet they found with light that light, Sometimes behaves what like a wave and sometimes like a particle. And, um, and that's called an antimony. It's two opposing truths that we have to hold together. Our challenge is for us as human beings, our minds struggle to hold these opposing truths together. 
Our minds in its, in, in its finite capacity struggle to hold two opposing truths together. But here we find that when it comes to God's self-sovereignty and the agency of man, these are two things that we have to hold together. You see, what our mind wants to do is go one way or the other. And that's what we sometimes do in our, in our biblical understanding and theologians do. They, they either lean over towards the, the sovereignty of God to describe God's activity amongst men, or others go to the, to the agency of man and the, and the autonomy of the agency of man to try and deal with this. But like right here, we see both coming together. You see, you, we, we, we can think of COVID-19. And I've been saying to you over a period of time now, and I think many other leaders have been saying that this is God is visiting us. God is doing something in our time. And, and how have we encouraged each other that God is sovereign? It's really important for us as believers to feel God is sovereign. God is in control. Have you said that to somebody lately? God is in control. No matter what's going on, when we look at our economy, when we look at all the deaths, we say God is in control. And that's very important for us. Uh, in the words of, uh, 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 sorry, of Spurgeon, he said the following, The sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the child of God rests his head at night, giving perfect peace. You see, we find rest in the knowledge that God is sovereign. That everything that happens on this earth, somehow God is in control of it. Somehow God keeps it in his hands. This is not just something happening and it's running riot and God has no control over it. God is in control. We even have a sense of God is in this. God is doing something. That's the sovereignty of God and it brings us peace. We comfort each other. God is in control. But then on the other hand, we have this. But COVID-19 is the result of man's actions. Men did things. And it's because of men's actions that this has come to pass. And it's because of men's actions that we will overcome this COVID-19. When they talk about, about um, uh, you know, finding uh, vaccines for it, medication, and social distancing that we have to do. We can't just say, well, this is, this is something that's in God's hands. We've just got to wait it out. No, we've got to act. We've got to do things. Now, if you, if you go into a space where you say it's either or, well, it's God. And God is doing something and, and we just have to allow God to do what he wants to do. Or you can go and say, well, this has got nothing to do with God. This is just natural forces at work. And this is just nature at play. And nature working out, it's, you know, whatever's happening. This is a natural result of choices that we've made. God's got nothing to do with it. God is on the outskirts just waiting for us to deal with this and carry on with things. No. You can't have either or. You've got to be in a place where you're saying God is sovereign. This could not have happened if God did not in some way allow it. And we have a role to play. We've got to do something here. We are the, the ones that God is going to use to overcome this, this problem. We have to hold both together. We have to have that capacity to understand this antimony and to Operate in it. It's like prayer. Prayer is often an exercise like that, isn't it? You see, if you come to pray and you, and you believe, well, God is sovereign. God's going to do what God's going to do. Then you almost come to a place where you say, well, 
Why do I have to pray? If God's going to do it, then God's going to do it. Why must I pray? Or you can come to pray and you can say, well, prayer is about moving God. God is, is unwilling. God doesn't want to do it. And, and we, must, we must make him do it. Through our faith, we will move the hand of God. And we will cause to happen what, what, what God didn't want to happen. Now, you know that it's not either or. God is sovereign. And with my prayers and my faith, I move his hand. God's not going to do something that he doesn't want to do. But yet I have to move his hand with my prayer. And that's the, the odd space sometimes that we have to hold together. And allow as we mature in our faith, our minds to understand. And that's what's happening here. C.S. Lewis once remarked, For you will certainly carry out God's purpose, however you act. But it makes a difference to you whether you serve like Judas or like John. Makes a difference. God is going to do what God's going to do. And therefore we have to do what God has asked us to do. It's this interplay. Therefore, the angel comes to Gideon and says, God is going to deal with the Midianites. God is going to set you free. You've got to go in your own strength. I love the fact that he didn't say go in my strength. Go in God's strength. He said to Gideon, go in your strength. Gideon didn't feel particularly strong. But God said, I'm going to do it. Therefore, you have to go. I want to say to you, God is doing a work in our time. Last week we spoke about God is visiting us. And how do we recognize the time of his visitation? And how do we reorient ourselves according to it? And how do we react to it? So in that same theme, I want to say to you, God is doing something in our time. God is sovereign. God is in control. Now go in your strength. And you may say to me, Louis, you're speaking to the wrong person. I don't have strength. I, I don't have food to feed my family. We've seen the, the challenges that there are with food at this time. Food security is a big concern in our nation. And we're thankful for what the government has done, but somehow people are still struggling. And I know people that are undocumented people, for instance, are struggling to get food and food supply to them. Foreigners some of our, our own South African citizens. You may say to me, I don't have enough food to, to feed my family. I have no strength. You may, you may say to me, I, I've worked so hard over this time. I'm a healthcare worker. I have no strength left. You may be a young person that says, I have no strength. My future, I don't know what's going to happen in my future. I, could, I, can go, I can't get my studies done. My schoolwork, I'm struggling. I have I have no strength. You may be a, a mom that says, my kids have worn me out. I have no strength. You may be a, a married couple that's finding this time very difficult and you're saying, we have no strength. Don't come to us and say, go in our strength. Talk to us about the strength of the Lord. Talk to us about the sovereignty of God. Don't talk to us about our strength. I want to hear you. I want you to hear me. It's so important that God came to Gideon and said, you have something. You're part of this. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. God is strong. But you've got to bring your strength. And this is an amazing thought. You see, on the one hand, we have the, the omnipotence of God. God has all the power. He, he has no lack of power. But yet he chose that he would use us with our limited power. So if you think about it as an equation, here comes God with his 100% power and he asks me to come with perhaps my 5% that I can contribute. 
Now, the fantastic thing is this is not a sum of averages. This is not God's 100% plus my 5% divided by 2, and then we come to 52.5% strength. And now we are worse off than God was on his own. No. This is a, a sum that stays at 100% because God is sovereign. My 5% doesn't diminish God's 5%. You see, what happens is when God says, I'm going to do it, and he, and he invites me to join him, is he gives me the privilege and the right to start acting and living in the world where he is in control. You see, when God says, I'm going to do it, I can choose, am I going to wait for God to do it and then realign myself to, to what God has done? Or am I going to be part of what God is doing before he's even done it and start living that truth already? Am I going to start living that reality? When God said to Gideon, I'm, I'm going to release you from the Midianites. You can start acting like it now. You don't have to wait. You become the agent of my sovereignty. And that's why I've entitled this message, God is in control and therefore we act. We do because he is sovereign. We right now have the privilege on this earth as children of God and as followers of God to act consistent with his sovereignty. To do his sovereignty. And that's what God does for Gideon. I want to say to you, go in your strength. Stand up. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. Lift up your head. And say, Lord, here's my five loaves and my two fishes. Here's the little bit that I have. And I want to see. I want to act in consistent with the fact that you are sovereign. And you're going to have your way. And you're going, to have, you're going to do what you're going to do. How do you do that? How can you be going forth in your strength? So let me just say four things and then I'm finished. I want to encourage you to do four things to go in your strength. The first thing is to worship. Worship is the strongest position you can ever be in. Begin by worshiping God. Worshiping God is the recognition that God is sovereign is to begin from that place of knowledge that God is in control, is to come before him, to bow before him and say, Lord, I, I ascribe to you the honor and the glory of the one that is in control. Part of worship is to pray, is to seek his heart, to seek an understanding, to seek his perspective. And we've often spoken about this. Come and sit at his feet and say, Lord, show me what you are seeing, what you are doing. Let me, let me not operate from my limited perspective, but from your perspective. Last week I spoke about repositioning. Worship him. That's the first step. The second step is wisdom. Seek wisdom. Acquire wisdom. Don't just do what you think. If, God's, if you start seeing God's perspective, then you think, okay, well, now I know what to do and you're going to go do it. Seek wisdom first. Seek wisdom from others that know and have experience and that understand things. Talk to others. Listen. Before you do, it's important that you listen. Seek wisdom. Then the third thing is work with. Work with. I want to get really practical here. You see, if I've worshipped and if I've, if I've ascribed God's to sovereignty to God and he starts showing me his perspective about a problem in our nation, let's say around food and people that need food. Then I say, Lord, give me wisdom. How do I do this? How, what are you asking of me to do? Then I begin to work with, work with others. 
And there's two groups of people that you want to work with if you want to serve people. You first of all work with the people that are the ones that God is calling you to serve. You see, we suffer so often from a hero complex. God shows us a problem and we think, I'm going to go and fix that problem. And, and we come with a paternalistic idea and we, we come down on people. Instead of going to build up their dignity, to go and sit with them, to work with them, to recognize that they are the ones in the situation and even they have strength in their hands. Our, 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 it's not good for us to go and remove strength from people and say, don't worry, we've got it. We're going to fix this problem for you. Even people that are struggling with food, how do we go in to help them? With dignity. It's been sad for me to see over these weeks too. And we've experienced it personally in, our, in some of the feeding programs that we involved in. In places that we feed. How you, you know, some people just come in with a truck and just start throwing food. And there's no dignity in it. And it causes riots and it causes problems. There's, there, it's just not a good idea. How can we work with communities? How can we work with the people? So that we show them that what's in their hands, the strength they have. And that we come and support that strength and supplement that strength. So they can be raised up and built up. So for the future, we work with, work with the people. And we work with others that are in that situation already. Sometimes we become aware of a need. It doesn't mean there's not nobody else that's already working in that situation. And the best thing we can do is go and as much as possible work with them. Coordination of efforts is so important this time. And across the city and the church, we are working together in new ways to coordinate our efforts. You see, if, this, if the church, five different churches, do the same thing to, for the same group of people, we start looking a bit silly. But if we can coordinate our efforts and we're working at it, how do we coordinate our efforts? Because this church can bring this component and this church can bring this component. And if we coordinate, we can get a great job done. And that's been happening and it's fantastic. If you feel God stirring you, can I say to you, find out who the people of peace are that are working in that situation and work with them. Give what you can. Again, don't try and be the hero. Be a servant. So how can I help others? If you are part of a local church, find out what your local church is doing and support their efforts. If you don't think they're doing a good enough job, come alongside them, help them, work with them. Not with a critical heart, but listen, try and understand what their challenges are. Many people have great ideas, and, but then they flatten the ones that, that, that want to do something. Work with. Thank you for you that are in our churches, in both the South Church and the East Church. It's fantastic. You've been so great with what you've given and how you've helped us to with wisdom work. And I want to tell you, we've got really skilled people in both churches that know these situations and know how to work in it and that have good partnerships and networks with others. And where we don't have, we're building new friendships and working with people. So won't you do the same? And then the last thing is to be willing. So the first one is to worship, then to seek wisdom, then to work with, and then to be willing. To be willing is, is, is for us very important because willingness comes from a place of having experienced the willingness of God to help us. In, in Matthew 10 verse 8, Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. You see, I, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm just a person that has freely received the grace and the mercy of God. 
I didn't deserve it. Everything I've received from God, my salvation and everything else, I got freely. I didn't deserve it. I had no right to it. And so therefore, when God calls me to go serve somebody else, I I go as a person that's just a, a fellow receiver of the grace of God and wants to go and help others receive that same grace. I come with the humility. You and I, we can come with the humility. And, and we're not so concerned about who deserves it and who doesn't deserve it. Because none of us deserve it. I didn't deserve what I got. So it's my opportunity to freely give. Freely I've received, freely give. Generosity at this time is so important. It's a, it's a hallmark of the people of God is that we are generous. To the point where it costs us. To the point that we have to say, I'm going to do with less so that others can also have. I want to encourage you as a Christian. This is a time to give to the point where it affects your lifestyle. None of us can, can just keep things the same. We're all going to have to make sacrifices. And, and it should be easy for us to do because we have received a sacrifice. Aren't you so glad that Jesus didn't look at the, sit in, in heaven and say, Oh, this is going to cost me too much. Oh, I want mankind to be saved. and Oh, I want people to know my father, but oof, it's, it's going to cost. He, he did not equ- consider equality with God something to be grasped, Philippians 2. He let it go, and he came, and he made this amazing sacrifice for us that didn't deserve it. And without any guarantees, he came and gave his sacrifice. And it's because of his sacrifice that we have life and life in abundance. This is a time for us to do the same. Out of the covenant understanding we have with God, you say, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give to the point where it hurts, where it costs me. I want to thank you for giving again to our churches. And we are so amazed at your great, great generosity. Let's continue to be generous. Thank you for those that are helping others helping with food, helping with rent, helping in any way, just checking in on people, keeping communicating with people, buying people data that are struggling. Whatever it is you can do, continue to do that. Let's be generous people. As I end the service, I wonder if you want to take a time to just think about these things, discuss it with somebody else. I'm going to, it's going to come on the slide right now, these two questions. First of all, I want to ask you, what are you thankful for? I think we need to begin at a point of gratitude. What are you thankful for? What have you freely received? What can you recognize that you have that God has freely given you? What is it that God has done for you even where you didn't deserve it? Can you recognize his generosity towards you? And then secondly, what is God saying for you to do? How can you display his sovereignty through your actions? How can you cooperate with him? And become the agent of God's sovereignty in this time. How can you display his generosity? When I'm generous, it's not my generosity. And please, let's not try and focus, draw attention to ourselves. It's about his generosity. We're just displaying his generosity. So what is God saying to you? Who can you work with? Take those four W's, think about them. And let's be proactive and work with the Lord. Thank you for being such an amazing community of people. To our churches, I want to say thank you. It's so great to do this time with you. Everybody else that's joining us from across the world, it's so great to have you. Thank you for your feedback also and for your support. May the Lord bless you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. Thank you for every person that has joined us for this message. I pray that their heart 
will be strengthened and that their courage will arise. I, I speak into the spirit of every person hearing my voice right now. And I say, go forth in your strength. God has positioned you. God has called you. God has made you available for a time such as this. Go forth in your strength. In the little that you have, go forth in your strength. And see what God will do. Thank you, Lord, for working in our nation and for the amazing things that you are doing. We love you. We count it such an honor to be your children. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. We'll see you through the week. Please remember to join me for the devotionals. Every day we're going to start a new time of devotional. We finished with Habakkuk, and we're going to do some new devotional. Watch the, the, uh, the, the social media pages and join us for those. May the Lord bless you.